0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery, the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. I am your host, John. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jeff. Hello! Ah, wonderful Jeff. How you doing? Oh, buddy, I'm doing fine, because tomorrow we're going to get in the sky and go to Chicago. We're going to be in the sky. We're be in the very sky, hurtling through the, the, the spheres on a... Uh, <laughs> all of it, these spheres. In a pressurized tube in defiance of God. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's why I fly, in order to spit in the face of God. Exactly. <laughs> Every time he doesn't punish me with death, I win a little more. <laughs> Every time I'm in the air and the plane lands safely, I know I've beaten God. (laughs) And I defy him to crash my plane. (laughs) Do it, I say. (sighs) Do it. But the coward never does. Indeed. Listen to an Alanis Morissette song, Why Don't You? So, yeah, uh, just because we're going to be out at C2E2, baby. That's right. When this goes up, we'll probably already, already be there. there. By yeah. the time you listen to it, we'll probably be back. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. This one's going up a little late. We'll be in Chicago but on uh, this Saturday, the 1st the, the, the of April. We'll be putting on a fun live show. That's at, right. If you at, manage uh, to listen to this in time and are in Chicago. Yeah. And you can find and. us. And you can afford us. <laughs> you might. To be able to get a couple guys to talk to you or something. <laughs> Sign your book. Uh, so this time around, we rolled up 1984's The Ice Pirates. The Ice Pirates. Not to be confused with the hockey team of the same name who took oh, their name from this movie. I did confuse it with that. I only watched several uh, uh, games that the Ice Pirates played. Yeah, when I messaged you that we were watching the Ice Pirates, uh-huh. you must have gone and watched several uh games, games of the Ice Pirates with a Y. I kept wondering why there were more ducks there than I expected. I was only expecting The a- Ice Pirates hockey team famously has ducks in it. I figured they were playing against the Mighty Ducks. I mean, I don't know if the Ice Pirates are in the same league or whatever. I I, I mean, no, they're not a professional team. Oh, they're not. Oh, well then. I mean, st- Professional in that they are, like, minor league. Oh, okay. Very good. So, like, whatever team feeds the Mighty Ducks. The less Mighty Ducks, I assume. Yeah, the Mighty Bread that feeds (laughs) the Mighty Ducks. They're the feeder team to the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) Motherfucking breadcrumbs, they're called. Ugh, Christ. But, yeah, this was an... Just an awful movie. That was (laughs) 1984 sci-fi post-apocalypse swashbuckling space opera comedy and supposed to be a comedy uh, yeah this was originally supposed to be a serious sci-fi film that had a budget of 20 million dollars yeah and then mgm went no you get eight million also make it funny and they were like (laughs) uh What? <laughs> and they did. They hired the best uh, screenwriter in the business to remake it and make it funny again. A fellow who's also got to his name act uh, writing credits such as Mac and Me and Tammy and the T-Rex. That's right. <laughs> Director and writer, Stuart Raffel. Mm-hmm. Good God. <laughs> The pedigree on this movie, yeah. There's a uh, there's an interesting subcategory of Star Wars ripoffs from the early '80s where they don't bother trying to rip off the Luke Skywalker Force part, and instead they just rip off the lovable Han Solo rogue. And this is one of those, yeah. Wh- where they, they want you to, to associate this character, this movie's main character played by Robert Urich, with with Han Solo, a, a you know, just a dirty, loud, de- low down space pirate. Although here it's a lot more direct. Yes, and. I mean, one of the big things between the two of these is it's like someone went, hey, Star Wars is popular. That's like a space fantasy. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's a space samurai movie. Yeah. But they heard space fantasy and went, all right, well, we'll do that then. (laughs) Because this is very much like, what if in space, everyone was a knight and had like Chain mail and a sword. Yeah, all the uh all the bad guys in this are the Templars because they managed to crawl their way into this one. Uh, and they they are they're basically all just dry, like cosplay shit is cheaper. I think is what you find with that is that it's much easier. <laughs> it's, to, it's way easier yeah. to go get a doublet and some boots that have those like tops that fold down. Yeah, a couple of tabards and some of fine mail. Then, then you're all, you'd be like, yeah, you belong in space. Fuck it. Who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. You can go into the studios like, hey, what do we got in the costume department? And they're like, well, we got a whole bunch of medieval shit. And they're like, sold. Sign I do up. not care. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, God. It is, it is, however, part of the wonderful two-parter I can think of of Angelica Houston in space things. God it's bless Angelica Houston in space. <laughs> Uh, it's real sad when you're like, yeah, but Captain EO was like a million times better than this. Then again, the people behind Captain EO are like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So, you know, back <laughs> <laughs> and me or Schindler's list, we got a bit of a difference in quality here. <laughs> sure. Uh, Space Pirates is bad. Uh, that's my non-spoiler review before we get into it. It fails... To be funny at all, I think there was one gag that I sort of liked, and I wished they kept doing it, and then they didn't, huh. and that was about it. Huh. Uh, let's see, yeah, it's it's mostly just bad robot costumes awkwardly bumping into each other for about an hour and a half. Uh, it's Whoa. it's not a f- it's not as fun as you would hope there's a couple of interesting gags here and there and a weird Bruce Valanche cameo that's fun. God uh, bless. but uh, Bruce Valanche showing up in this and I was like, holy shit, are you center square Bruce Valanche? I'll take you for the block. <laughs> uh, So so I, I also do not necessarily recommend it, Uh, but it is a fun piece of camp that really screams I came out one year after Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you're like, oh man, it's nice to see a uh, A young Angelica Houston and a young Ron Perlman. Very, very young Ron Perlman. This predates even, like, his Beauty and the Beast show. Yeah, this is real early for both of them. So, that's something. It's fun. (laughs) It's also got John Matizak, who, who, uh... Maybe not the most uh, household of names in the world, but he is, of course, Sloth from the Goonies. Indeed, yeah, great pedigree going from this to that. So only swashbuckling films for this gentleman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and football, he was. Uh, I think he played for the Bears. Probably. I think. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, I just. He was a neat dude. He, I think he died kind of tragically shortly after the Goonies or something like that. I forget the details. I don't remember. I'm I, inventing. All them. I remember is that he was Sloth and that he played football, and that is it. Yeah. <laughs> and now you know he was in this. And now I know he was in this. Honestly, I, I, I didn't recognize him, and then when I saw the cast listing, I went, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like he just shoves his way into the movie, too. <laughs> yes, and I that mean, was <laughs> really the fun gag that I was referring to, is Matazak in this is probably my favorite part of oh, the movie. he's the best part by a mile, yeah. All right. All right, uh... Let's go ahead. We'll play a little music and then we will come back. We will get into a full blow by blow blow spoiler review for 1984's The Ice Pirates. We are the Pirates. Back, and it is time to talk about the Ice Pirates. After first de ghosting a couple of people and saying that Mattizak played for the Raiders and the Oilers and did not play for the Bears. Ah. Okay, just just letting people off the hook. So. so I don't know how many big NFL buffs there are that would listen to this. It only takes one. (laughs) We're looking out for you, one person that listened to this and went. Oh, he wasn't on the Bears. <laughs> Maybe there's an enormous sloth fan out there as well. Oh, uh, Just the world's biggest sloth from Goonies fan. How gonna, dare you? I was going to say, I'm sure there's plenty of sloth fans out there. They're <laughs> adorable. <laughs> I enjoy them as well. <laughs> They're so cute, but they've got big old talons. It's weird. Yeah, although their talons are harmless because they have the muscular potential of, like, a wet towel. Oh, yeah. You know, if you see those coming at you, you're like, oh, no. Ah." (laughs) It's not so much. They're not as slow as, I mean, they're super slow, but, like, they can kind of move their arms around at a normal pace. It's just that if they get you with them, it's... I've never actually held a sloth, my, my, but my girlfriend did spend a few months in Costa Rica once at working in an animal shelter where she helped rescue a bunch of them. So she just, her descriptions of them to me sounded exactly like the times I spent working with penguins. <laughs> and when penguins peck you, you're like, oh, this is a big bird. This could probably peck the shit out of you. And no, it's like being poked with like the rolled up end of a pillow. <laughs> it's like they're just trying to gently remind you that they don't know anyone here and they want to leave the party. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, can we go? Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Hey, have we spent enough time here? Hey. (laughs) I don't like your friends. (laughs) It's okay. I don't like my friends. (laughs) Uh, So Ice Pirates lets us know, setting-wise, right off the bat, that it is the far future, and water is an incredibly scarce commodity. Mm -hmm. They've Uh, used it up. I don't know how. There was, I mean, they explain it. In the movie way at the end, yeah. but to start with, they're just like, oh, there was interplanetary wars, and now the galaxy is dry, and water's the only thing that matters, Mm -hmm. and only the evil Templars from planet Mithra have any control over this resource. Right. And they... Uh, transported around as ice. Yes. For is, some reason. Which is why this is the Ice Pirates movie. I, I assume it's because big blocks of styrofoam that have been lacquered and spray-painted to look like ice are cheaper than big tanks of water. That is probably true. Given that the ice never actually does anything in the movie beyond be a thing that's in the background of some of the shots. No, we don't... There is not a single shot of actual ice that exists in this whole movie. Yes. We never see... Even in like someone's glass, no one has ice in it. No, all we ever see is opaque light blue bl- bricks uh, that are that are enormous. Yeah, so we know they're not ice. I, and I, I get the impression that the ice pirates thing might be a holdover from when this was a more serious movie. Like the whole idea of like, oh, it's hard sci fi and everyone's out in the world in the galaxy trying to get the water. Like that—that's an interesting prospect. I mean, of course, it falls apart immediately. when You're like, wh- you don't water doesn't vanish when you drink it, or even when you like boil it it just changes forms and goes goes somewhere it's still there it's really hard to get it off a planet all the way (laughs) yeah the i mean we find out i'll just go ahead and put this here like at almost the very end of this movie that they were like oh there used to be seven planets that were very water rich yes and that's where all of the galaxy's water was coming from but in the big galactic war that happened Six of those planets got destroyed, and one of them got shoved so far near the galactic center uh, that it's inaccessible because getting to the galactic center means going through a time warp. Yeah, there's a time warp that is used mostly for gags. Yeah, um, I mean, the whole problem with the time warp is if you try and go through it, you begin to age so rapidly that by the time you got there, everyone on board would just be a husk. Yes, so that is the general like premise of it, but you do not get the premise of it until the last like ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, no. In the beginning, you just get turned off to your main character immediately. as they is they? Oh God! As they raid a uh, they, they raid a Templar ice transport ship uh, and just sort of it's you get to see all these main characters. You've got you've got Ron Perlman here as a guy named Zeno. Angelica Houston's kicking around in a hilarious like chain chain link wireframe. Halter top. It's so weird it's, he's got a weird outfit on but they they board and raid a ship there, there's one guy on the squad at who's his name Roscoe Roscoe yeah he's like their robot expert yeah everyone sort of has a thing so you're yes. like all right Jason our main character is the captain Roscoe is their, like, engineer and main robot guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maida is Angelica Houston, and she's, like, the badass and the pilot. Uh-huh. And then Ron Perlman's Zeno He's like is... a navigator? Kind of? There's one part where there's, like, they, they mention what his job is. When they're being chased by a ship, and they're like, I, I sure hope our-, our master of navigation input new uh, ter- types of uh, turn coordinates. And he goes, ah, I'm working on it. Oh, yeah, because they were like, oh, we need to do evasive maneuvers. And he's like, "Oh, they already know the old evasive maneuvers we would do. Do we have the new ones?" In? Yeah, and he kind of goes, ah, "I'm working on it." You know, in his standard Ron Perlman, I'm phoning this in. Uh, this is my first ever film role, and I'm already phoning this in. <laughs> I I gotta say, the couple scenes where they give Ron Perlman anything to do, like his cooking scene, is fine. Yeah. But These are, the, the first couple lines he had didn't sound like him at all, and I was really for a second thinking it was early enough that they were like, let's dub this guy. He's not <laughs> famous. Let's just dub his lines. <laughs> uh, no, he has a weird affect that he does a lot of the time in this. Yes. Uh, but that is basically our main squad. And then they've got a bunch of robots because... For some reason, the main thing that people have is like, oh, instead of us fighting, we just have some robots fight for us. Mm-hmm. And even when it would be very easy for us to also join in, we'll just let the robots fight it out. Yeah, it's, you'll just see the, all of our main characters standing on the sidelines of any major combat in this, just sort of exhorting robots to go fight. Because the robots don't want to. So they're always like, meh, meh, meh. and they're like, no, get in there, you dumb coward. Meh, 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 meh. And they all have swords and axes instead of just guns or something. Well, yes, because there are like three guns that exist in this entire movie. Yes. Everyone else, because they wanted this to be a swashbuckling pirate film in addition to everything else, is running around in standard pirate garb mm-hmm. with melee weapons. Yeah. Yes. And this is not future. Ma- we don't have lightsabers or anything. It is straight up just I have a rapier and I have an axe and so on. Yep. So they use a big laser to cut their way into the enemy ship unnoticed. Uh, but it's a whole comedy sequence where they they don't cut the hole all the way into the wall, so someone's got to kind of knock it down. And they're taking turns being like, "Come on, you're being a big wimp. I- I'll knock it down. Oh, I- I'll knock it down." And when they do finally knock it down, it turns out that they knocked it into a bathroom that an alien is using, and he farts. That was really where I went, oh, okay, I see what this is doing. I'm going to hate this. Because they were like, oh, we got to get in here. And They dick around. And then when fucking Roscoe just, like, slams through and falls on the ground in front of a ball sack looking alien that goes, I was like, oh, oh, okay. I hate this. I'm... I'm gonna hate a lot of this. He definitely, it he really feels like the jokes were added in the last five minutes because there, are, there, none of them are any good. And and th- in this, in this case, it's everyone being like, "Yeah, take care of that guy." I'll point to the, you know, hey, ch- you need to take care of that guy. And then the next person comes in, he points to them, "You take care of that guy." And then someone else comes in, "You take care of that guy." And it goes down the line of all their chumps and all their robots until they finally get to one last guy, and it's like, finally Ron Perlman at the end. He's yeah. like, "Oh, there's no one left. Ah, sorry," and just knocks him on the head. Yes, bonks him on the head. And probably farts and again. Farts. Yeah, he farts several times. Yes, it's bad. Yes. <laughs> and now We're, they they're wandering around in a big ship. They're going to steal the ice, but there's a team who has to take over the ship and a team that has to take over the ice room. The team who has to take over the ship randomly breaks into the room of of the princess of the Mithra or whatever, and she's asleep in a weird hyper bed where she's being they're, they're using gas to keep her asleep for some reason. Even though, as far as we can tell, she's just taking a nap. Yeah, it's not, it's nothing special. It's just a sci-fi thing they built. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, uh, you're gonna find Princess Karina in like one of those like metal or glass coffin beds that you can co- kind of like roll the top over, uh-huh. and it'll be filled with gas because it's so weird and futuristic." I'm like, "Why? This isn't a like a oh we're gonna be in hypersleep for a while. This is just you're in bed." Your nanny is hanging out awake in your room. Yeah. No one else on this ship is doing that. It's just you. So they just take out the nanny. They're just using her room as a room to hide from guards in. And then they don't take her out. They just catch her. But then uh, Robert Urich's Jason goes into the other room and sees the princess. And he's like, hey, a princess. We should just... She's hot. We should just take her with us, right? Because she's hot. But what about... What about the, the we could get a ransom and they're like no, no shut up we also know you, why you're doing this also you promised you wouldn't do this anymore <laughs> just kidnap random hot ladies and the, then line of the film he's like whatever happened to raping and pillaging and I'm like haha I hate the main character too <laughs> oh this is great I hate everyone uh yeah when what I I remember when we used to rape and pillage yeah yeah that was a bad time that's hey man don't don't <laughs> Be nostalgic for raping and pillaging. That's not a thing to endear me to you. Oh, you saying you're not a big fan of the comic strip, Hagar the Horrible, which to my knowledge still goes to this day? Uh, I mean, not really. Okay. This isn't very funny. It's not great. No, it's just It's, a syndication-, it's a syndication comic. It's not great. No, none of them are especially good. <laughs> but they do leave her, go do their business. They, you know, lose a shitload of their various... Robots And I will say this now, we don't need to get into it every single time, but know any time there is robot business, it takes too long. Yeah, it takes too long. The robot costumes, apparently you can't see out of them because 90% of the comedy of the robot sequences is them just sort of bumping into each other and walls. Oh yeah, one of the comedy things is like, oh, this guy malfunctioned and he keeps kicking the robot next to him. And you're like, that's not funny. Why are you spending so much time on it there's a part where they're fighting one robot and the robots better than all the robots they brought with them and roscoe's like yeah that's a dn40 he's better than all of our robots put together and they're like well then how come he didn't buy those and he's like because it's more expensive than all of our robots put together and he's just like yeah okay all right all right but it's also one of those things where (laughs) for some reason they're just like okay robots you go fight there's one real good robot we got like four shitty robots All right, you guys, real poorly, one at a time, go fight him. Yeah. Meanwhile, we will sit in the back and cheer you on like we're watching Rock'em Sock'em Robots instead of just also hitting him. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, you'd think, especially with Roscoe being the character that is your, like, main robot guy engineer who knows how to do all the stuff to robots, that when they were distracted, one of the big things we keep seeing is there's a bunch of wires in the back of their neck. Yeah, you can just turn them off. And the fact that he never just walks up to the super badass robot and is like, and done. <laughs> yeah, because keep in mind, when we say robot in this situation, outside of a single R2-D2 looking one they build just to patrol hallways, every other one of them is in a rubber robot. It's just some blind guy in a rubber robot suit yeah it's uh it's not the best yeah anyway they take the bridge they get the captain we start seeing the other uh, big joke from this which is that all the people that they take as prisoners are castrated and turned into eunuchs so there's some eunuchs on the bridge as well, and they are all dressed in white leotards. I mean, we don't know that yet, we but don't know we will that, find it out. It's what they are. Yeah. Um, and they take the bridge, but one of the eunuchs manages to bravely hit the emergency button. Oh, boy. So that starts an alarm, and now they have to leave. Cause- After the part where they get the food out of the auto mat that the bridge has on it. Yeah. And they're like, hey, hey, man, you want a lizard leg? And he just throws him a chicken leg. It's the future, so this is lizard. Yeah. In the future, it's harder to have chickens than lizards, I guess. Yeah. Although, you know, weirdly, the movie is going to have a lot of farm animal business in it for a long time, significantly later. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite bits in this is just, there are some animals here. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they have to go escape. But fucking Captain Jason is just like, well, I got to go kidnap that lady. Mm -hmm. And indeed, he does. He just does. And they steal enough ice. But then they're getting chased by the enemy. And then it turns out that their ship can split into three ships so they can try and escape. Yeah, that's at least somewhat interesting and creative where they're like, oh, uh, we're going to send a third of our crew to each section of the ship Mm -hmm. split into three. And that way, you know, they can only chase one of us. So at least two thirds of us, no matter what, will get away. Yeah, so this is where we lose Zeno and, uh, and well, basically Pearlman and Houston for a while. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be in the movie for the next half hour, and boy, are they lucky. <laughs> God bless them. They got out easy. <laughs> so just Jason and Roscoe in the middle section mm-hmm. are chased, and they're like, oh, why is it always the middle section that gets chased? Gee willikers. And then they get captured. Robots and dudes in Knight Templar outfits come in. We meet our movie's primary bad guy whose name I do not remember. Zorn. Zorn. So Zorn comes in, and he's like, surrender, and I will not kill the man who is lying on the ground with an injury. Okay, we surrender. I killed your man. Ha-ha. I'm a liar. I'm just bad for some reason. Anyway, you two I won't kill. You two are going in the capture tunnels. Yeah, we're gonna send you off to get you know, turned into those white-haired guys. You're going to get castrated and turned into slaves because mm-hmm. we'll lobotomize you, get rid of your junk. Yep. All right, great. Yep. Meanwhile, the princess has woken up and is basically like, hey, come on, just let me go. What the fuck? Let me go. Hey, what? don't, know. I don't want to. And she's in the middle section, so she gets captured and taken with, with uh, or not, reca- recaptured, I guess, and goes with Zorn at this point. Yeah. She gets, I mean, at this point, she's just getting rescued. Yes. But. They all get taken back to Mithra, our main big uh, evil place that is the one place that has all of the water. Uh-huh. And they are put into some cages. We meet Killjoy, John Matizak's character. This is what I mean about him just bullying his way into the movie. He just shows up and he's like, hey, man, uh, can I get a, like half of your remaining soup for this big gold necklace thing? And he's like, no, man, gold's useless. We're going to die. I'd rather have some soup. And he's like, okay, what about one quarter of what's left after you've just had that drink for this gold? And he's like, sure, man, fine, whatever. And then immediately behind them, once they make the trade, some guy's like, you take my gold necklace? God damn it. I'll kill every one of you. And they'll, both, they'll talk him down. They're like, dude, it doesn't matter where we're going. And he's like, I'll just search every one of you. If I find that necklace. I'm going kill you. I'll rip your head off. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Also, there's a priest in there, and the priest does. Uh, uh, is they they tell they we find out that they won't castrate the priest just in case there's a god. Yeah, that's the joke. Oh, yeah. they'll leave the monk alone just in case there's a god. But just just to make this clear, this dude's name is Killjoy, is John Matizak, and he bullies his way into this conversation in the movie in general. But by the time we get to the point where they re they reconvene with our other characters. The other characters know him already. It's so weird because they have no idea who this guy is. They're just like, who the fuck are you? You want some of my soup? That's weird. And then we get a gag where when they get to the planet and they get offloaded in their cages, they're like, all right, monk, come on out. We'll deal with you first. And Killjoy comes out wearing the monk's robes. And he's like, bless you, my son. Mm-hmm. And then winks at our main guys and leaves. And I'm like, that's a great gag. Yeah. That's the one funny thing is this guy. Yeah. If he just kept doing droopy dog shit throughout the movie and just popping in and then leaving again without getting a scrape on him. Yeah. Because that would have been keep, fine. He does it again later. And it's just like, oh, this is great. I want him to keep doing this throughout the whole film. Just continually pop up wherever they happen to be and be like, hey, guys, how's it going? (laughs) I'm also here. But instead, he joins them shortly after this. And by the time they get to the next planet, they reconvene with like Proman, And Proman's like, Killjoy, how you doing? Hey, buddy, I like you. And I'm like, what the fuck? How come you know him and these guys don't? (laughs) Uh, So... They get taken to the processing plant to be turned into lobotomized eunuchs, mm-hmm. and then right as the, like, weird metal mouth thing that would bite your dick off, goes to get them. It does not And they go through, and on the other side of the machine, they see the princess who's like, now, uh, just play along or else you'll get castrated for real. Mm-hmm. I have plans for you. Yeah. Also, everyone who works on the assembly line for the castration machine is a, a sight gag of some kind. Plus, uh, Ra- or Jason can't stop hitting on people as he makes his way down. he's like tapes to a naked to a thing, and he's being dragged towards a machine that'll cut his dick off. He's like, "Hey, how about later, you and me, huh? What do you say? We hook up?" And she's like. I don't think you'll be able to get it up. I don't think you'll be up for it. And then he gets excited when a, when a hot lady puts shaving cream on him, but then the big gag is that it's an old cra- uh, uh, j- wobbly guy who actually shaves him. Well, it's the wobbly guy who shaves his face, but the gag is it's a gay-looking guy who's got the one for yeah. his balls. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, he's going to be touched by some kind of queer mo. <laughs> but then he gets sort of rescued and dressed up as a eunuch, where they bleach their hair for some reason. I guess the idea was that once you get eunuched... You well, get they, your... they just get a wig? Yeah. I guess? Well, they put a wig on them, but I think the, the idea is supposed to be that the rest of them get... When they get eunuched, their hair turns white. I don't know. I have no idea, because they don't go into it. No. They also don't really go into... The fact that we saw, like, half a do- dozen people on this, like, conveyor belt, mm-hmm. where... They were dealing with the whole process of getting everyone ready to have their dick bitten off. But <laughs> apparently once you get past the dick bite off part, no one is there no. because no one is there to realize like, Hey, you still got a dick. <laughs> like no one, <laughs> no one sees that when they put them in their big, weird white leotards, no, when they give tight. them their, their white hair, when they do anything else, they're just like, yeah, I guess no one works anymore. I mean, I guess that metal Pac Man thing isn't really supposed to get their dicks, just so much as their balls. It's supposed to take their balls off, which is maybe why the people who are checking their le- their junk and leotards aren't like, "Hey, wait a minute, there's still a wiener in here," <laughs> and they, of course, have to have a little gag when they get through, where they they need to pretend to be castrated, so they got to be all high pitched now. Yeah, they talk like this. Oh, okay. and all the all the eunuchs, the regular eunuchs, talk like that all the time. Yep. Yeah, Although so we that's only not how ever works. hear one of them right now for the entirety of the film. Even if we see some in the background, they will never speak. Yeah. It's just this one scene in yeah. the factory. Yeah. Yeah. And uh... but as soon as they come out, the princess and her nanny show up and are like, oh, we're getting slaves to work in our sludge center or whatever. We'll take the black one and this one right here even though he doesn't look as good as the other ones. Ah, oh, that's right. I'm making disparaging comments It doesn't about you. matter because you are working him in the sludge facilities. It doesn't matter if he's good looking. Uh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So, in, but they, he doesn't go work in the sludge facilities. After they buy him at the slave center, instead he's carrying around a tray of tiny sandwiches at a goofy future party. Yeah, we go to the Royal Future Rave, where he and Roscoe are dressed up as... You know the eunuchs still and doing like handing out drinks and sandwiches and shit. Yeah, and and everyone's doing avant-garde goofball dances <laughs> or floating on the ceiling because they take a drug that gives them electrical flying powers. And every single one of them is absolutely spiking the camera at every opportunity, <laughs> just staring right into it. Yeah, you're like, lot... <laughs> nice, hey guy, nice. In the future, you break the fourth wall. <laughs> In the future, everyone notices the camera. <laughs> Uh, and eventually we find out from the princess that like, oh, I've got a plan. I need you guys to take me to the pirate moon where all the pirates hang out because you're pirates and you'll know how to get there because my dad left to go find the mythical seventh world, which Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, that's just an old wives tale. There's no such thing. Mm hmm. And she's like, "Nope, my dad definitely found it, but he ran off. And last I knew, he was in the company of some pirate named uh, Lanky, Lanky Nibs. Nibs and he's—I gotta go find him at the the pirate moon. Yeah. And when he, <laughs> Jason and Roscoe get together to like discuss what's going on, he pulls them into a back room where a bunch of like robots are just hanging out. And he's like." Man, what's going on? We got to figure out what's happening. And then fucking Killjoy is there in a suit of armor and just lifts the helmet. He's like, "Hey guys, you mind?" And takes a drink and drinks it. And is like, "Have a good time." And then just shuts the lid again. He wants them to go get him a sandwich or some cake or something too. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, can you give me some sandwiches or cake or something? Anything with sugar in it, whatever. Just go get me food." <laughs> and that's that's it. And then they leave that room and they try to leave with the princess. When Zorn calls out, he's like, oh, they're trying to escape. Go get them. (laughs) And then they have a comedy motorcycle escape where all four of them are on one motorcycle uh, and they get split up as uh, basically Jason and the princess have an easier time escaping. Roscoe and Killjoy get stuck having to bargain with a robot pimp to leave, to to, uh, go into his car. Yep, a robo pimp with a, Car from uh, Logan's Run. Uh huh. Comes all ro- rolling up to them and showing, like, basically softcore 1 900 number commercials on his We chest got the plate. good kitties. Do you have money? Do you want to push it into my fine kitties? <laughs> Come we- on, soul brother. Ta- I know you would like this. We take water, gold, expensive drugs. Luckily, they still have that necklace, so they. They just go with the pimp, and then later they're just on the ship. We don't, we don't know. I, I assume they just beat him up and take his car, and then they use their his car to get to space. I mean, they gave him the gold. I assume you just went, dude. Here's gold. Just fucking drive me to the spaceport, and he does. <laughs> Very well could be. No, I may be a robo pimp, but I do obey the laws, sucker. I must call the authorities. uh I also I need it to be known that he is doing the robo version of. The standard jive pimp lingo as well. So it really be more like, no, I must alert the 5-0. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just go with him into his car. Welcome to my fly hoopty. So bad. Hate it so much. They all get to the ship that the princess, I guess, is supposed to own, but doesn't know what the fuck is in it. Yeah, she has her own ship, but, I mean, she's just a super rich princess. Oh, and that nanny gets to go with them, too. She's very important. Yes, that's the nanny and the princess and their personal high-quality robot, Percy. Mm -hmm. And then Roscoe, Jason, and Killjoy, who at this point is just part of it. I was, again, (laughs) really hoping that he would just show up on Pirate Moon later without having gone with them and just be there be mm-hmm. like hi guys hey i'm also here it <laughs> would have been a better joke would have been a great gag but no instead the three of them are like uh yeah we don't work for you anymore because we're pirates and you put us in a ship so we're just gonna go wherever we want to and she pulls a gun on him and and we have a bunch of back and forth but eventually he's like yeah fine i guess i'll take you where you want to go yeah there's a bunch of water ice in this princess's ship and she's like i'll give you basically like 75% of the ice in here. Yeah. As long as you transport me where I want to go. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then after that, they bumble around and unleash a little alien from a space egg because alien also came out before this movie. Yep. They uh, unleash a space herpy. Yep. It's, a, it's uh, from the species of space herpes, but it's just a little alien slug monster that zips around on the ship. And it does not get paid off at all it's just hey there was this weird thing hatched from an egg and it's it's a gross little worm monster with a face and it bit roscoe and he, he's bleeding anyway it'll show up like one more time and then get killed and do nothing does it get killed i thought it escaped into the kitchen vents and we never it saw it did again. and then eventually a oh, percy steps on it yeah something. percy yeah. gets it he's like yeah. oh i killed it just offhandedly mentions by the way i killed that herpy yeah I assume that's just so they they would written themselves into the point where you get to the time warp and you're like, well, how's that going to affect that space herpy? That's going to be some special effects I'll have to do. Oh shoot, can't have that. Oh no, we'll just say the robot got him. Yeah, <laughs> it is terrible. I'm like, why is this in here? It doesn't do anything. Oh, it's aside here. for one point where he gets to go. The ship has herpes, and you're like, that's not a joke. Stop. No, it, that. It's in here because Alien came out in 1979 or whatever. That's that's uh. why it's in here. And it would be fine if they actually did something with that instead of just going like, <laughs> hey, here's a little thing that looks vaguely reminiscent of the early hatched alien. Yeah. And then then that, that that's it. That's yeah. all we got. That's 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 what it's in here for. Doesn't even come out of a guy. It comes out of an egg. Yeah. They're like, hey, you and know how the face it. hugger came out of an egg. Well this thing does, and we're not we don't have the budget to do it coming out of a guy. Also, this is supposed to be a comedy, not a horror. I don't know why we're doing this. They did it in Spaceballs. As a direct reference and an actual joke. Yeah, what I'm saying is that it is possible to do it as a comedy. (laughs) By actually, you know, actually hiring William Hurt again. (laughs) Oh, shit. Not again. (laughs) Spaceballs is hit or miss, but that part's a hit. (laughs) Wait a minute! What did he have the special? Oh, change mine to the soup. Good choice. That's uh, a funny send up. This is a bad send up. Yeah, this whole movie is if it was nothing but just following along that weird robot that was standing next to Pizza the Hut. Yeah, remember that? We were like, "What the fuck is this guy even here? Is he just one of Mel Brooks' friends?" Yes. What is this guy? Uh, pizzas You're gonna send out for you? Boo! <laughs> <laughs> uh now they managed to get back to the uh pirate moon but oh no it's the there it turns out they're gonna need a ground vehicle to go get lanky nibs there's, only- there's no way you could take a space vehicle to anywhere else on this planet <laughs> they only landed that one spot <laughs> I do not even mention how they got down. They're just on the ground all of a sudden, so... Oh, yeah, we don't have the... Shuttles. (laughs) The amount of time that it would take to do that. But when they are down there, they are in a... Like, one of those little trams you see in the airport. They're in one of those, but it says limo on the side. Uh Uh-huh. Because all of the vehicles on Pirate Planet are pretty much just send-ups of uh, Mad Max. Yeah, they're Mad Max Which had also come out earlier. Yeah. (laughs) I like it when the pirate car shows up later to attack them, and it's just got big fake wheels on the sides. Yes. And you can see the regular wheels. It's actually, it's like a parade float looking thing. It's adorable. Uh, So but, Pirate Moon, they meet back up with uh, Ron Perlman and Angelica Houston. Who both know Killjoy already, which is super convenient, so we don't have to explain it or, any, or anything. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're here, and here's Killjoy. And they're like, I know him. That's great. He's part of the crew. <laughs> and... They are hanging out at a bar as the princess is trying to be like, all right, this is the guy I want to see. How are we going to get there? And we find out some frog person alien has the only car in town, this apparently. One car. And there's... there's. A I big- mean, not counting, obviously, the car we took to get here. No, which we can't use right now because it's out of gas or something. So we need to seduce that frog alien. So he basically forces... Come on, princess. Why don't you go make it worth his while? All you have to do is be real friendly and act real available. And she goes over there after a bunch of protesting that takes fucking forever and comes back and she is like, yeah, that he's a she and you're her type. She's real interested in you. And he's like, nope, I'm not doing that. I can dish him out, but I can't take some. (laughs) Uh, And it's funny, though, because then it's. It's weird because she's like, oh, now I've got the upper hand. You've got to go try and seduce that frog alien. I'm like, no, he doesn't. This is your deal. You want a car. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. If he goes, no, I'm not doing it, then you don't have a car to complete. He your even thing. tries that. He's like, uh, no. And she's like, well, then you don't get any of the ice or the water or whatever. It's like, you don't have any guns and we're on pirate planet. I can take the water. It's fine. <laughs> But instead he goes over there and hits on the frog lady who gives him a ride in her super in her only car in town. But not before two random schmoes who are just sort of background extras on this planet notice and try to start a fight with our characters because they want to hit on the princess. No, because they want the water. Oh. They cool. hear one that there's a two million credit bounty on Jason. Yeah. yeah. And then they also the like main uh like pirate guy villain here over here is that they have all this water there, but the, his little buddy who shows up with the goofy glasses yeah. is like, Hey, I followed that hard R N word over here. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Right to the, the, our, the other dude, the person he's talking to is one of this movies like three black people. Yeah. Roscoe is a black guy is yes. Michael D Roberts is the one who plays him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I followed that N word here and then realizes he is also talking to a black guy now and goes, sorry, black gentleman. Yeah, and they have a plucked live parrot as this other character's, like, object of flair who just goes, distinguished black gentleman. He's like, oh, that wasn't worth plucking a parrot. That's mean. Yeah, that was awful. Seeing the fucking fact that they had a parrot there that was completely naked, I went, "Uh, part of me hopes... Oh, we found one that had a like skin problem, problem or something, yeah, and it just didn't have feathers. But most of me knows you probably plucked an actual parrot, and ding, ding, one more reason to hate you. Ugh, There's so, so many in this. The two scene. of them come over to start trouble, but Roscoe and and uh, and Jason are off dealing with the frog legs, so they just kind of shrug. So this is Houston's chi- time to do anything at all. Yep, and you know the one goofy guy. He's like, oh, I'll get you, kick your chair over, and then I'll slice your table up with my big sword. And then Angelica Houston just clowns and cuts his head off and is like, all right, and you, other guy, you need to apologize. And he's like, I'm sorry. And then she slices his face. Cuts his eye patch off. It's like you don't sound very sincere. Yeah, and he's like, uh, "Please accept my genuine apologies." And you think, "Oh, cool. Well, now this character's part of the crew or something, right?" Because like he he's distinctive looking, and he, they actually force him to give a real apology. And no, never seen again. No, he is. He attacks them in the desert. That's him in the desert. Yes, I thought that was just random ass pirates. No, that's him and some other guys. Oh wow. Okay, yeah. I thought that was just him. Nope. Or not him. Huh. Yeah. So. We find out Lanky Nibs is out in the middle of nowhere. A place called Water or Sunnyvale or something. It, was like, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Who cares? They go out to see him after he seduces the frog lady. This planet sure looks like the desert's immediately east of Los Angeles. Boy, does it. And when they get out there, this guy has set up his own little camp. He has two little baby mules and two little like baby boars. Uh-huh. And some ducks, and it's very cute, but we saw a picture of him before, but oh my goodness, he's so much older than that picture. Yeah, we saw that we saw the headshot of a young actor. <laughs> and now we see him as he actually is twenty years older because he was Going through the time warp, and he aged 20 years in 20 seconds. Yep, but he does know where her dad had been re- recently and was like, I'm willing to tell you what planet I last yeah. hooked up was and, with him on. And he went through. He got through. He made it to the seventh planet. He got, like, hollow images and full proof. I saw I've, the hollows. I I've tasted. seen everything. I, he did do it. I tasted the waters. I know that it actually happened. I know he found a way to the seventh planet. Yeah, so they're like, well, then come with us. And he's like, no, I'm old and I want to live here now. And then pirates show up to attack them in a land car boat. A giant buggy boat that has big fake wheels and a big fake skull on the front. Oh, God, that I forgot about the fucking paper mache skull. Yep, giant fucking skull on the front, and they're all... Run around on the top of it. Looks like a freshman entry to be in the New Orleans parade cruise. It is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, they they, they immediately it. murder the frog lady because they're like, oh, we don't have any more business for her, but she's technically still in the scene. Uh, the pirates immediately blow her up and it looks like they blow up the car, but instead an explosion happens and apparently disintegrates her because yeah. she doesn't exist, but the car is fine. The car's fine, though. Yeah, I mean they already exhausted all the business they could possibly come up with for her. She was attracted to our main character, and at one point she asked him if she thought, if he thought her dress looked nice. Yeah, she ribbits. She has a little CGI tongue thing that flicks out. We were done. We get, we got all the jokes. So now they have to run away on the car, and they and indeed they do. It's very actiony and swashbuckly as they man, as, as, uh as J- Jason manages to get onto the pirate ship and. Just sort of kick him off. Pushes everyone but the main guy off. Yeah. And then distracts him long enough for that car to ram into some fuel tank that explodes. I just want to point this out as well, that Jason, as a hero, is a one-liner deliverer. Yeah. And all of his one-liners are like, they make you sad and depressed. Ah! Like this one, he just goes, don't forget to write. And then there's another one earlier where he kills a guy with a, running a sword through him and says, ha, huh, I guess we've got you pegged. Oh, because he uses... The fake leg from a robot, like a robot was missing a leg. And so they put, I guess, what you could call a peg leg on there. And then he stabs him with that and is like, we've got you pegged. And I went, that's... Boo. That's stretching it, my man. <laughs> I see what you were trying to accomplish here. You didn't. If it would, if it had been an actual person's peg leg, I might have been like... Okay, boo, but I, fine, I guess. Hmm. But the fact that it was like, oh, it's a peg leg from a robot. I'm like, no, a robot doesn't get a peg leg. It just has a leg. It's that's, a robot. That, that's a leg. That's just, if it's on a robot, it's just a regular hmm. leg. It's a thing made unless, of metal that a robot walks around unless on. Unless you were to build a, a, a fully metal robot and then attach an old timey wooden pirate peg leg to that robot. Yeah. Then it's a peg. It's still just a robot leg because it's just say it's just a constructed piece like the rest of the robot. But it's old timey wood. It looks funny. So it's a peg leg, a peg leg again. Ugh. I just want you to say all of his one-liners are like, you're like, uh uh, My back hurts. (laughs) Oh man. Someone was forced to make this a comedy and they gave you just the worst lines imaginable. Yep. So they go back to the ship and they take off. Because now they're gonna go find Wendon at some random fucking planet because lanky nibs is dead by the way oh yeah lanky nibs gets got but they do take all of his animals with them on the ship so they're just going to be a constant thing in all the hallways from now on yeah we when we get back to the ship because we just cut from them being like oh lanky nibs it's it's so unfortunate we'll find that one we'll end these wars for you lanky nibs and then it just cuts back to everyone being on the ship and there are fucking mules and boars on it you're like all right sure (laughs) i guess i get it Fine, and now whenever anyone has to walk down a hallway, they have to kind of carefully walk around to a bunch of little baby mules and piglets. Yeah, which is probably the highlight of this: seeing Ron Perlman in like an apron, going like "Excuse me," <laughs> and just walking past <laughs> mules. I was like, "That's great that that did it. That's a that's a good scene." If the movie was two minutes long. (laughs) If the movie was two minutes long and it was Ron Perlman Pets a Baby Mule, I'd be like, what a great film! (laughs) Film of the year! Short form Oscars, (laughs) give that to Ron Perlman Pets Baby Mules. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they fuck off and we get some weird fucking business in space. Mostly we get um, the return of the space herpy as it does its... Hey, you you remember Alien? Well what if we had this little worm thing come out of a, a turkey? breast instead of a person I think my favorite part of all that is when Ron Perlman who's like the ship's cook is making dinner for them and they just have him say whatever business at all so he's like looking at first of all the kitchen station is just a bunch of arms sticking out of a wall so you can just have arms do whatever you need them to you can be like you hold this you stir this that kind of thing so it's like the Wonka uh, uh, antechamber but robot arms um, but he's looking at a book and he's like, all right, so what do I need to make for this next ingredient? Huh? Let's see what the next ingredient is. That's ah, a quarter teaspoon of carrots. Ah, these guys are big eaters. So I'm going to put in more than that. What the fuck calls for a quarter teaspoon of carrot? I mean, I believe it was a quarter cup of carrots. No, it was a teaspoon. I watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> just went back. You're like, I couldn't have heard that. Right? Yeah, exactly. Cause he dumped some nasty shit in a bowl instead. I was like, what is that? He'll it's carrots, carrots with mixed goop oatmeal. on it. Yeah. Goopy <laughs> carrots, but a quarter teaspoon of carrots. Sure, I guess because water's so scarce, so you have to make food with tiny things. Uh but. He makes them a turkey, and the fucking herpy comes out of it. That's great. And then it runs away, and everyone's like, oh my, a thing. The space herpy. How long have you known that was on the ship? And I wanted them to be like, dude, it was on the ship when we got on. It was in your it was closet Jeez. full of space contraband. It was why in did, the manifest for the ship. Why did your ship have a manifest for space herpy? Why were you carrying that around? Don't put this on us. <laughs> this was your herpy. <laughs> but instead, they're like, we're sorry. Ugh. Uh, I'm trying to remember what other dumb business we get before they get to Wendon. I, I think they just get there before yeah. we get the, uh, the water scene, the like storm scene. We do. The, the, that yeah. scene happens in the second part of the, w- w- once they've already got Valanche on the ship. Yeah. But they go to this random planet to look for Bruce Valanche. It's very misty there. It's just a sound stage with a fog machine and out of the fog comes a bunch of Amazons on horseback because we haven't worked in that trope yet. Yep. And they get everybody except for Roscoe. Mm-hmm. Roscoe manages to get by unscathed, but they capture Jason and Princess Karina, and they are taken before Bruce Valanche, who plays Wendon, and he's a, a, a just a dude sitting on uh, sitting in a chair, who's flanked by Amazons that he's in charge of. And this character feels like again, like there were a lot of lines that they were supposed to have been there, but they've completely removed them to make him into a joke. Cause they're like, I could not like until I had watched like the whole film, there had been nothing describing who this guy was, yeah. why they were going to see him or anything like that. They just show up on the planet. And he's like, ah, and I can't let you go. Cause then these guys won't do what I say anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, that, that would ruin my current, my, my little game I've got going on. Okay, but you would never kill us cuz you're not that kind of guy. That's where you're wrong. Kill him, karma or whatever, and like one of the amazons goes to try and kill them. Like, we have no idea who the fuck this is, but they see they, they seem to have assumed that we know about half of his situation already. Yeah, it's weird that he's like oh i can't tell you where your dad is cuz if you find your dad i won't be in charge of the amazons anymore i think it's cuz he's like got water so they only they're working for water and they he knows that their dad that her dad has asp- access to a lot of water so it it would ruin his current little power broker situation but it feels like like he's got something else going on like no you can't go in my back room stay out of there like he does actually have something go- else going on he's ahead He's, yeah. He's just a head. The body is fake. Yeah, he is a severed head, just futurama style. Yeah. On top of a fake body. And <sighs> Roscoe shows up and threatens the head so that the Amazons let them go and they find Princess Karina's father, but oh no, it's just an omega super Fancy robot that looks like a human. It's not actually him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, any cool robot we encounter from this point forward is automatically called an Omega robot. Yeah. If it's good, it's an Omega robot. Yeah. Uh, But he just stands up. He's like an animatronic. He just stands up and is like, It is you, my daughter. And she's like, No, you're not my dad. And then he just stands there until they push him over. Yeah. And he sits back down where he was. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And they take Wendon's head with them for fun. Ugh. They I mean, it's get- Bruce Valanche. At least he's, you know, an old hand at, at shitty, campy comedy, so he fits in. Yeah. And they stick him on a table so that he can, you know, they don't have to worry about the special effect aspect of it. Just like how anytime they're holding him up as a head, they're only holding him so you can just see the bot, the top of the collar of his neck, so that you they can just film it. Yeah. I was like, all right, I get it. That's fine. Yeah. Sure. Uh, they get back on board and. They're trying to figure out, well, gosh, if my dad wasn't here, how will we ever know how to get to the seventh world or what my dad left behind or blah, blah, blah. Oh, And then they do techno babble for like a split second. Yeah, they're like, oh, but what if we look into the circuits of the Omega robot that looks like my dad that he left and see if there's anything there? And what's there is one weird trick dentists hate him and it's it's just a like file that brings up the image of a ring and they're like well my da- i have my ring my dad gave me but where's his uh, it, uh it's just up bruce valanche's foot fu- down his fucking throat so and it's he just, just goes, there. Blah, blah. There, there, there you go. go here's a ring and they're like okay fine what the fuck else do you have up there no, and, yeah i don't have anything in there unless you want to make a deposit only Not good like, joke in the movie <laughs> hey bruce valanche good to see you <laughs> Hi, Bruce. (laughs) Hey, Bruce, what are you doing here? (laughs) Uh, Then when she spins the dad's ring on top of her ring, that spits out a hologram and the dad's like, hey, here are the coordinates for the exact flight path you need to get to the seventh world. If you deviate even like a percentage of a degree, you will die. Anyway, I'm sure this will solve all of our water problems, as that will make it easy to get back and forth and tr- transport tons of water from this planet. I assume that their plan is to just get in there and be like, yeah, uh, you know, fuck everyone else. We're just going to stay on water planet and have all the water. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so they're like, great. Well, now we have the coordinates. It's like 2.83 for off the galactic ecliptic or whatever the fuck. Just some, some babble. shit. And so they fly that way, but right as they make their way to the point where they're going down the warp tunnel, oh no, here comes the bad guy Templar. Oh, By we, the way, we skipped the sex scene. Not only do we skip the sex scene, but we also skip the scene where the bad guy Templar talks to the big bad guy. Oh Remember yeah. Remember that? There's like a one scene shot of a really old man. Yeah. And John real- Carradine. Is that John Carradine? That's John Carradine in his last fucking role, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They talk to John Carradine, to Zorn, mm-hmm. and he's just like... Hey, I need you to stop them from getting the seventh planet. And he's like, that's eh, fine. We've got a tracker on board their ship. This is all according to plan. We're going to find the dad and everything. And then we'll continue our iron grip on the galaxy because we're the only ones with water. And if someone else finds water, we're fucked. Out of all the other things in this movie, that's the one that feels the most to me. Like like uh, it was filmed before the, the, uh, the assignment to make this into a comedy happen because it's deadpan serious. Yes. And John Carradine is playing like a a wounded, broken man lying on a hospital, like a super futuristic hospital bed. And when he comes up, he just spins around and he's like, what news? And they give this little bit. They tell me that I should have my mind be uploaded, but I can still feel, damn it, with my my hand. Hold my hand. After all these eons, I can still feel the body wants what it wants. And you're like, oh, look at that. They're like, Like, they have the technology to upload his brain, but he wants to still feel and be human for as long as possible. These are That's an actual thing. These are not themes that are explored elsewhere. There's no other mention of the ability to upload people. No. This is, I believe you are accurate, a scene that they were like, this is a serious space opera, and we've got John Carradine, and he's going to give a very impassioned speech, and it's going to be a cool bit of world building, and then... It's still in there, but everything else is like, and then the ball sack alien poops himself. Womp, womp, womp. (laughs) And then they have sex. And then they all fucked. But yeah, this one scene, like, I'm sure that once they switched it back to a comedy, they're like, well, we have a lot less money. Should we contact John Carradine and see if he wants to film that scene again with, like, Groucho Marx glasses on or something? (laughs) I don't want to be uploaded. I can still feel my dick. Womp, womp, womp. (laughs) i'm an old man <laughs> just that uh, uh, he was just like oh uh no <laughs> how about no i'm about to for reals die i'm good <laughs> we want to do a scene where we drop a peony on you what do you what do you say we're gonna draw we're gonna put a big red x on the ground and then you stand on it and then an old timey peony comes down out the sky and smashes your dick and he's like no I'm Hey, john Carradine. <laughs> fuck off <laughs> Uh, but then, yeah, there is also the horrible sex scene. Yeah. Right after Bruce Valanche gets placed on a robot body so he can walk around and not always have to be a head prop, <laughs> he comes popping in. And he's like, yeah, the princess is looking for you. And not established beforehand, but he shows up with a program that's like some sort of passion storm He's like, ooh, princess, I've got that program you asked for. Uh-huh. It's called Passion Storm. And then they go into a room, which is, I guess, basically this movie's version of a holodeck. Yes. But it's just, oh, you put this in and then the TV screen walls will display something and put some sound on There's or whatever. There's only the one. This is a holodeck by way of having sex in front of a big TV. Yes. Which is great. I mean, I'm not knocking that. No, but then the most confusing bit for the world building happens where they're like, ah, you know, the background screen is showing a bunch of waves rolling and a storm happening. You're like, oh yeah, that would be great. Because in a galaxy where it's been 10,000 years since there's been any sort of real planet with water on it, Having that as a background picture would be like, ah, oh, yes, this is great. This it's kind of is- funny if they both just got mesmerized by that instead. They're like, water's what? so oh, cool. God damn. Wait, what's wrong? How come you're not still going? I mean, there's fucking rain clouds over. Look at that shit. You never see that. It's so weird. Maybe you we should just sit here and watch that instead. But Honestly, no. the, the, the footage is such boring stock footage of rain and waves that I really kept expecting for lyrics and like English and Korean to be displayed over it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but eventually they start going at it and then it drops water like it's raining on them. Yeah, off. it's a, it's a 4D experience. They drops water, they get mild electric shocks. But I'm like, yeah. What the fuck in a whole setting where it's like water's the most precious commodity. No one has it and if, you know, you can find it it's worth everything. Anyway, we're going to use it to just douse people while they bone. What? Well, don't worry. That wasn't water. It was like lube or something. It's silicon-based lube. It's fine. Although, I really like the idea now that they basically, when you go to like any theme park, they always have the one movie theater that's showing like, Rio, that movie you forgot about the CGI with the two parrots, but now in 4D. That means the chair vibrates sometimes and wind blows on your face. Yeah, we've got a little, like whipper tickler thing on the back of your legs so mm-hmm. that when a thing goes running by we can go now I want the version of that that's for fucking like you could just go into the 4D fucking experience and wind blows on your face when you're trying to have yeah, sex yeah you go no you go into the 4D porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> as soon as the cum shot happens just a little spritzer goes <laughs> up the chair vibrates back and... a bit <laughs> But yeah, and, and we also get a, a line in here about some oral sex when, when she's like, hey, shouldn't you be at the controls? And he goes, if you insist. And then goes down south. Mm, mm. If you follow. This scene goes on for so goddamn long. It's terrible. It I'm not one that. of those people that's like, oh, there should only ever be a sex scene if it furthers the plot. But I'm like, no, this is boring and bad. It's, it's just boring. That's It's the only problem with it. And... Because especially, it's, it's Men in Tights did the the uh, the sword is penis joke, right? Remember that behind yeah. the curtain? And they do the same thing here where he's like, maybe I should take off my saber. Oh, let me, me. get it. Oh, it's so stiff. Your belt, I mean. Yeah, he's like, ah, I don't care about any of this. The reason it worked in Men in Tights is because there was an audience. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately afterwards, an alarm goes off because Zorn's cruiser is popped up behind them. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we're going to fucking get you. We know you found the way to the seventh planet, but we'll, I don't know what our plan is. Gonna we'll board control them it. And we'll destroy them. it. They're going to destroy the planet so that they stay in control of everything. I mean, which is weird. You'd think they would be like, oh, we should, if we have the way to get to it, just have more of our own water. That's just like more money we could have. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there, but it is their dumb plan. Um, but yeah, they're just going to, they're going to board and they've already entered the warp tunnel part of this whole storyline, which means that they don't have, a, they can't fight back really. Yeah. They're like, well, we can't do evasive maneuvers or do anything because if we deviate at all from the course that we currently have, we will just die in the time warp. Yeah. Now this doesn't mean that they aren't time warping because that's the movie's big final gag sequence is that. You still get old really fast in this dumb tunnel, and increasingly fa- fast as well. So at an early point, they're just like, hey, I think we're starting to get a little older. Oh, yeah. It looks like, you know, for every 30 minutes, we're aging a year now, and it's just going to get faster. Yeah. And And now it's just fucking sight gags with fight scenes happening during the sight gags. And they keep trying to show you that the future, that the the, the time stream is happening by speeding up the footage. Yeah. For little increments that's so irritating. It's like, oh, he's going to go hit some guy. And the walk from him, like, from going to where he is to the robot he's going to attack, they just speed it up and be like... So uh, yeah, and now everyone's just gonna fucking fight with big fake beards on and shit. For and a the l- big gag here is that sex that they just had got her pregnant, but because it's in a time warp, she goes through pregnancy, has the kid, and the kid grows up during this whole time warp. Sequence. Yeah, so they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Robots are being made to fight. Uh, Roscoe's made a per- took a robot that won a fight earlier in the movie and spent a bunch of time and money on upgrading him, paints him black so they can do one joke about that. Yeah, saying, hey, I I don't mean to be insensitive, but why is he black? I wanted to make him perfect. Yeah, that's a good response line, but but then that that robot shows up and gets in a quick fight and doesn't matter. And you know, we get like Zorn, the big bad guy shows up on a fucking like palanquin because now he's too old to walk around Uh-huh. and everyone's fighting with all these robots and it's really boring. And at one point, Valanche shows up and tells getting increasingly beardy uh, Yurik that he needs to go talk to his his girlfriend, the princess. She has a baby and he's just like, that's not mine. Nope, that isn't mine. Although he's adorable. I kind of, maybe he is mine. Nope, gotta go. the baby pees on his face and he's like, oh, that's definitely my kid. I have a thing about peeing on faces, as you well know. (laughs) What do you think was loaded in that passion storm? (laughs) Uh, The titular passion storm. Dare you enter my magical (laughs) realm? (laughs) They fight, they fight, they fight and fight and fight. And they get so old. Some of them are dying. And oh, it's what a joke. Roscoe's afro is giant and white now. Cause yeah. he's so old and, and Perlman gets super old in one of the fights and just keels over and dies halfway through it. Cause he's so old. The nanny turns into a skeleton cause she was already old to begin with. And eventually everyone's getting too old to fight. Robots are approaching. It, it looks really bad. And then Robert Urich shows up as his own son and even, even Swashbuckler outfit and knocks over some robots. And it's like, we did it, dad. I saved the day. Ah, I'm so glad to see you, Dad. I'm glad we finally got to meet. This is wonderful. And then they start flashing back until they, they the time warp is over. Yeah, they got through, and it turns out none of that actually happened. That was all part of the time warp, and now that they're through the time warp, it's undone. Except the other ship, the uh, Zorn's ship, uh-huh. is completely gone. Because it was
1: it attached deviated. to yeah. the
0: side of it, it was off of course because it wasn't just right on the same level they were and it disintegrated in the time warp Uh uh-huh and so they make it they see what it's clearly just space footage of like earth yeah it's it's supposed to be earth yeah wow there it is the water planet we made it and roscoe who's had a side gag the whole movie of how he doesn't want to be a pirate he just wants to make robots and sell robots is like finally you know we made it and we're all rich and we don't have to be pirates anymore yeah We're, we're out of a job we're out of a job and and uh, Angelica Houston is hooking up with, with, with Sloth. And and, uh, and and then we just cut to credits immediately in a blessed move where we don't have to hear anything else about this. Yeah, it was supposed to end with a shot of them literally going over modern-day Miami Beach. Ah. Because it was supposed to be, ah, the big gag is this is Earth, is the seventh planet. Right. But then they cut that. And you know what? Great. Good. There was less There's movie. was less movie. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. That was the ice pirates let's uh let's get into our bests and worsts now sure i i love that idea jeff what is the best single thing in the ice pirates uh i mean you're probably i mean i mostly just want to say john matazak because he was fun and he seemed to really know what kind of movie he was in yep uh but i'm I'm gonna leave i'm pretty sure that's what you wanted to say so i'm gonna go with bruce (laughs) flanche's brief appearance I, i i just feel like again his his role is corny and terrible Oh, but but he, he comes out of nowhere, means nothing to the plot. Could have been entirely excised, and it would have been the same movie. But he at least has one joke that lands. Also, he seems like an old pro at this exact kind of comedy, so it feels like he belongs here. Where a lot of the other characters feel like they're holding these lines at, with like long sticks at great distance. Oh yeah, he he's like he's like yeah. I'm gonna lean right in. I'm Bruce Valance. Damn it, I've got no pride. <laughs> uh and then he just retired to write the oscars for 30 years <laughs> well and uh and yeah so i just i liked his little appearance and how much he felt like he was like i get the material no i get i know it. what this. i is. know what we're doing <laughs> i've done this i've written this don't tell me how to play the character it sickens me <laughs> uh <laughs> all right what's so your favorite thing my favorite thing in this i mean it It would have been Matazak if they had kept the gag going. Oh, sure. That's fair. Like, that was a gag when they did it the first two times with the monk and then him being in the robot room. I was like, fuck, this is going to be great. Yeah. Oh, something to look forward to. And then, no, he just immediately joins. So the best thing in this is the couple of little baby mules and little baby boars that are on the <laughs> ship that are adorable. And I'm like, oh, look at you. They're, now you're part of the crew. And you do actually, we've, we skipped right over it, but there is a reason that they're on the ship at all, which is so they can do a sight gag of adult mules and boars later in the movie. Yeah. When when the time warp is happening. Uh, anyway. Uh, worst thing. Uh, I mean, the rape and pillage line that kind of just makes you hate the main character within the first five minutes. Sure. There's just no recovery from that where he's just like, oh, I wanted to rape this lady. Why are you stopping me from raping this lady? I found an unconscious lady and I wanted to kidnap her and probably rape her. I'm your comedy Han Solo and I wanted to force my penis on someone. Oh boy, I love this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm endeared. Yeah, so that's Miley's favorite thing. What about you? I mean... Part of me was like, god damn, having the hard R-N-word in there was out of place and weird. That did feel very strange. Uh, The... But I think... I mean, I want to say probably the worst bit of this is the bits with the uh, that initial scene where they're going on to steal the ice initially Mm -hmm. uh, with the robots that just goes on there's two major robot fights the other one happens during the time warp and they're both so long and so boring and it's just like hey get in there i need to go go do stuff what are you what are you waiting for and it's just poorly shot you have no idea what's going on it's just guys in just shitty robot suits barely able to move and kind of like turning and trying to swing their arms towards each other. Yeah. It looks like crap and they spend so long on it. Mm -hmm. They really seem to feel like they had a hit with that. Like, oh, this is the hook that'll get people. Yeah. Our dumb shitty robots. Yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't care for that either. All right. Let's go ahead and move on and do our ratings where each of us will give a rating from zero to five so we can get a final rating out of 10 for the movie. Jeff, one and a half, one and a half. I mean, there's some jokes here and there that I didn't absolutely hate, and it's kind of fun to watch like such a young Ron Perlman and Angelica Houston and so on. The main characters all suck. Oh, yeah. The story sucks. The comedy is terrible, but you're still like, oh, look at that. They, it, it's, there's a lot of we're going to put on a show energy here. Uh, But so it's a one and a half. It, it, it fails, but at least it tried something. Yeah. From you? Uh, I think a one and a half is honestly right. It doesn't get anything correct. Like, it does not manage to hit any of the notes that it wanted. And honestly, the entire movie, I was just going, all right, this is all of the stuff that you were trying to take from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally going, oh, this is the stuff you took from Alien, and this is the stuff you took from Robin Hood. Yeah. All right. Well, great. I gotta ask. I know we. I mentioned earlier that the screenwriter director also made Mac and Me and Tammy and the T Rex. Have you seen Tammy and the T Rex? No. Okay, just just checking. I. It might be on the list. Probably is. <laughs> Please, no one suggest for it to be on the list. <laughs> it's uh, the premise of the movie is that the director had access to a statue of a T Rex that could kind of wave its arms and and open its mouth and close its mouth. The premise is I had something. I had this thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Also Denise Richards and the guy who played Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I've got access to Denise Richards and a shitty dinosaur puppet. Let's make a movie. It's uh, it's really something. But but anyway, yeah. So I was just curious because I know I know you have to have seen Mac and Me. See, no, you haven't seen. Why Mac would and I Me watch Mac and Me? Because a lot of people. Because you're of an age. <laughs> No, nah, man, I've seen that one segment of and me enough times that I think I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about. I would never. <laughs> I've seen Paul Rudd be interviewed enough times that I've seen it. He never does it on purpose, <laughs> and he certainly won't do it this time. I'll hold the football this time. I love that they did it on an episode of Coco's fucking podcast, too. <laughs> this is a podcast. You can't do this. You know, that's. I said the same thing. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm on your side. God damn it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this review of the ice pirates. We will be back in another couple weeks with another movie mastery. But if you are still hungry for more content, of course we have plenty for you. If you want to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery, you can find all of our stuff there and If you support us at any level, you get ad-free versions of the show. Sure do. And, of course, you'll get bonus content based on the level that you subscribe at. You can unlock a ton of shows that we do all the way up to the $10 a month level that gives you all of our stuff, an extra, like, nine or ten shows a month or something. Yeah. And... So much. We make so much stuff. We make a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it also, of course, helps the show, lets us keep doing what we're doing. We do what we do. And, uh, right now we've still got our TV mastery at that $10 level. Oh, we yeah. are going through very special episodes. Very excited. And we are running through a Mr. Belvedere classic. And the great thing is there are two Mr. Belvedere very special episodes that I could have chosen. So you'll just have to support to find out which one. It's the one where he sits on his balls. <laughs> It's a very special episode about belvedering yourself. Yeah. And you know, I I I don't know if you've seen that particular episode, but there is a part at the M where he does the whole friends. We've had a lot of fun here today. <laughs> but let's take it down for a moment and have a serious discussion. Sitting on your balls is no joke. <laughs> Listen up, liberals. I sat on my balls. <laughs> Sitting on your balls to own the libs. <laughs> All my right. wife left me. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be back. And until we are all of you out there, have a good one.